Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 4 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. This podcast is taken from a series we call Poets' Corner. Today's feature is from Book 10, Part 30 of Milton's Paradise Lost. Podcast 6 is entitled The Fall, Part 2. In the prologue to Book 10, Milton writes, Then, in pity, clothes them both and reascends, sin and death, sitting till then at the gates of hell, by wondrous sympathy, feeling the success of Satan in this new world, and the sin by man there committed, resolved to sit no longer confined in hell, but to follow Satan, their sire, up to the place of man, to make the way easier from hell to this world, to and fro, They paved a broad highway or bridge over chaos, according to the track that Satan first made. Then, preparing for earth, they meet him, proud of his success, returning to hell, their mutual granulation. Christ is sent by the Father. He now has the title Judge and Savior. Christ pities Adam and Eve and clothes their nakedness. Milton shows great insight about the fall of man and the Savior's love. The clothing is both literal and symbolic. He clothes their outer body with skins of animals. He clothes their inner body with robes of righteousness, meaning they are filled with the Holy Spirit. So judged he man, both judge and Savior sent, and the instant stroke of death denounced that day removed far off. Then pitying how they stood before him naked to the air, that now must suffer change, disdained not to begin thenceforth the form of servant to assume, and when he washed his servant's feet, so now as father of the family, he clad their nakedness with skins of beasts, or slain, or as the snake with youthful coat repaid and thought not much to clothe his enemies, nor he their outward only with the skins of beasts, but inward nakedness, much more appropriate, with the robe of righteousness arrayed covered from his father's sight. Christ returns to the Father and gives a full account. Meanwhile, sin and death are waiting inside the gates of hell for Satan to return. If you recall, the gates of hell remain wide open, for they cannot be shut. To him with swift ascent he up-returned into his blissful bosom, reassumed in glory as of old. To him appeased all, though all-knowing what had passed with man recounted, mixing intercession sweet. Meanwhile, ere thus was sinned and judged on earth, within the gates of hell sat sin and death. In counterview within the gates, that now stood open wide, belching outrageous flame far into chaos, since the fiend passed through, sin opening, who thus now to death 
began. There is a sharp contrast between the gates of heaven and the gates of hell. Just as the father talks to his beloved son, sin talks to her monstrous son, death. Sin has faith in her father, Satan, and feels renewed strength. She cannot wait to come to earth and devour the offspring of Adam and Eve. O son, why sit we here, each other viewing idly, while Satan, our great author, thrives in other worlds, and happier seat provides for us his offspring dear? It cannot be but that success attends him. If mishap ere this he had returned, with fury driven by his adventure, since no place like this can fit his punishment or their revenge. Methinks I feel new strength within me rise, wings growing, and dominion given me large beyond this deep. Whatever draws me on, or sympathy, or some connatural force powerful at greatest distance to unite with secret amity things of like kind by secretest conveyance. Sin refers to her son death as my shade and assured him that on earth they shall be inseparable. They're going to build a bridge between earth and hell that follows the same path that Satan took. It echoes the words of the Savior. Matthew seven thirteen through 14 Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth into life, and few there be that find it. She is compelled to build the bridge between earth and hell, for she expects innumerable people to cross, which she refers to as the infernal host. Thou, my shade, inseparable, must with me along, for death and sin no power can separate. But least the difficulty of passing back stay his return, perhaps over this gulf impassable, impervious, let us try adventurous work. Yet to thy power and mine not unagreeable to found a path over this main from hell to that new world where Satan now prevails, a monument of merit high to all the infernal host. Easing their passage hence for intercourse or transmigration as their lot shall lead. Nor can I miss the way so strongly drawn by this new-felt attraction and instinct. Death responds to his mother, sin. He tells her to build the bridge. He will not fall behind. Death, who is famished with hunger, has gluttonous urges. He envisions carnage, innumerable prey, and an endless banquet. Death promises to work in harmony with his mother, sin. Whom thus the meager shadow answered soon. Go whither fate and inclination strong leads thee. I shall not lag behind, nor ere the way, thou leading such a scent I draw of carnage, prey innumerable, and taste the savor of death from all things there that live. Nor shall I to the work thou enterprisest be wanting, but afford thee equal aid. Death since in the fall can already smell the scent of mortality. So saying with delight, he snuffed the smell of mortal change on earth, as when a flock of ravenous fowl, though many a league remote, against the day of battle, to a field where armies lie encamped, 
come flying, lured with scent of living carcasses designed for death, the following day in bloody fight. So scented the grim feature, and upturned his nostrils wide into the murky air, sagacious of his quarry from so far. With whetted appetites, sin and death strongly empowered passed through hell's gates into chaos and night, toward fallen earth. Then both from out hell's gates into the waste-wide anarchy of chaos, damp and dark, flew diverse, and with power, their power was great, hovering upon the waters. What they met, solid or slimy, as in raging sea, tossed up and down, together crowded, drove from each side, shoaling toward the mouth of hell. They fastened the foundation of the bridge that connects hell and earth. It is a massive bridge, very wide to accommodate the multitudes of the souls whom they shall devour. Deep to the roots of hell the gathered breach they fastened, and the mole immense wrought on over the foaming deep, high arched, a bridge of length prodigious joining to the wall, immovable of this now fenceless world, forfeit to death. From hence a passage broad, smooth, easy, inoffensive, down to hell. They follow the tracks of Satan. The bridge is built to last forever. Now had they brought the work by wondrous art pontifical, a ridge of pendant rock over the vexed abbess, following the track of Satan, to the selfsame place where he first lighted from his wing and landed safe from out of chaos into the outside bear of this round world. With pins of adamant and chains they made all fast, too fast they made and durable, and now in little space the confines meant of imperial heaven and of this world, and on the left hand hell with long reach interposed. Three several ways in sight to each of these three places led. Sin and death see their father Satan. To them he shines as bright as an angel. Satan was disguised, but his children, sin and death, recognized him. And now their way to earth they had descried, to paradise first tending, when behold Satan, in likeness of an angel bright, betwixt the centaur and the scorpion steering his zenith, while the sun in Aries rose. Disguised he came, but those his children dear their parents soon discerned, though in disguise. Satan was in disguise because he wanted to observe Adam and Eve after the fall. When Christ came down, Satan, terrified, changed his shape. Remembering his former experience, he was afraid of the wrath of God. He returned in the cloak of night and gloated over his victory. He, after Eve seduced, unminded slunk into the wood fast by, and changing shape to observe the sequel, saw his guileful act by Eve, though all unweeting, secunded upon her husband. Saw their shame and sought vain couvertures, but when he saw descended the Son of God to judge them, terrified he fled, not hoping to escape but shun the present, fearing guilty what his wrath might suddenly inflict. That past, returned by night, and listening where the hapless pair sate in their sad discourse and various plaint, 
thence gathered his own doom, which understood not instant, but of future time. Overjoyed, Satan returns to hell to boast of his success. It is then that he meets sin and death. They rejoice together at Satan's success. In unparalleled fashion, Milton personifies Satan, sin, and death in their ghastly meeting following the fall of man. Remember the first scene at Hell's Gate when Satan meets sin and death? Sin is so hideously ugly he didn't recognize his own daughter. When Satan first rebelled, sin, in a glorious body, sprang out of Satan's head. Enamored of her beauty, Satan raped her, and from that foul union, death was born. Satan did not know he had a son. When he first met his daughter and her son at Hell's Gate, death tried to kill Satan. Sin came between father and son, and from that truce they agreed that together they would destroy mankind. This is their second meeting where they celebrate Satan's success. With joy and tidings fraught, to Hell he now returned, and at the brink of chaos near the foot of this new wondrous pontifus, unhoped met who to meet him came, his offspring dear. Great joy was at their meeting, and at sight of that stupendous bridge his joy increased. Long he admiring stood, till sin, his fair enchanting daughter, thus the silence broke. Milton emphasizes how hell is the counterfeit of heaven. Remember the first thing Mammon did in hell was to build pandemonium, patterned after heaven. In fact, in Satan's world, who has no powers of creation, everything is counterfeit. Satan versus Christ, hell versus heaven, evil versus good, vice versus virtue, misery versus joy, captivity versus freedom, hate versus love. Satan is the negator. Satan, sin, and death are the counterfeit of the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Milton emphasizes how Satan counterfeits everything. He is an imitator, not a creator. Satan only has the power and freedom that God allows him to have. Though Satan has deceived himself into thinking he does everything in secret, his every move is monitored by the Father and Son. Sin praises her father Satan. O parent, these are thy magnificent deeds, thy trophies, which thou viewest as not thine own. Thou art their author and prime architect. For I no sooner in my heart divined my heart, which by a secret harmony still moves within thine, joined in connection sweet, that thou on earth hadst prospered, which thy looks now also evidence. But straight I felt, though distant from thee worlds between, yet felt that I must after thee with this thy son. Such fatal consequence unites us three. Hell could no longer hold us in her bounds, nor this unvoyageable gulf obscure detain from following thy illustrious track. Sin boasts that Satan has empowered them. She draws attention to the bridge she and her son Death built to bridge the gap between earth and heaven, over which their captives will travel. She pronounces Satan as God of this world. She refers to Satan's vices as if they were virtues, which of course are counterfeit to Christ's virtues. Though Satan, sin, and death have only guaranteed their eternal damnation in the lake of fire, she boasts that Satan has given them their liberty. To sin, Satan, not Christ, is the monarch of the earth. She declares war on man. Thou hast achieved our liberty, confined within hell gates till now. Thou us empowered to fortify thus far, 
and overlay with this portentous bridge the dark abyss. Thine now is all this world, thy virtue hath won what thine hands builded not, thy wisdom gained with odds what war hath lost, and fully avenged our foil in heaven. Here thou shalt monarch reign, there didst not, there let him still victor sway, as battle hath adjudged. From this new world retiring by his own doom alienated, and henceforth monarchy with thee divide of all things, parted by the imperial bounds. His quadrature from this obicular world, or try thee now more dangerous to his throne. Sin assures Satan that he is more dangerous even than during the rebellion in heaven. Milton makes it clear that Satan, sin, and death are self-deceived into thinking they have won the victory. However, Satan, though far less powerful than Christ, is far more powerful than we are. The only reason we have power over Satan is because of the curse in the Garden of Eden. Christ said to Lucifer, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. There are two curses. One, you can replace the word dust with humiliation. We have physical bodies. He is only a spirit. He can never rise above man. Man must voluntarily stoop to his level. Two, Christ gave man the power to crush Satan's head. Literally, that is how poisonous snakes are killed. Satan, however, cannot die, so the word crushed has another meaning. It means that through the power of Christ, man, if he follows the commandments of God, will not fall for the cunning of Satan. Satan will always be ultimately outwitted. That destroys Satan's power because he only has the power of deceit. He cannot force us to follow him. Please join us next week as we continue the story of the fall as seen through Milton's Paradise Lost. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.